Live. Live. Live from to New York. This is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his ankle! Follow me! Follow me to freedom! Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast, which is New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering Fam. Your host, Mike Phillips. I got a fun show for you this week. Championship week is here. We are getting ready for all the conference tournaments. I'm be joined by our March co-host, the host of the Seeing Red Podcast, Troy Morello, just in a minute. We're going to start out. We're going to take a deep dive into the Big East tournament because it's the one that impacts most of us around here. We have St. John's trying to win the auto bid, Seton Hall, uh, UConn, you name it. You have Rutgers in the Big Town. Talk about them a little bit. All that fun stuff coming up in just a bit. I also going to go to the end of the show. We're going to talk about the premiere of Winning Time on HBO, the new docudrama about the Showtime Lakers. I had a lot of fun watching. I'll share my thoughts at the end of the show, but I want to remind you right at the top here. If you like what you're listening to on the Just and the Suffering Podcast, feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just and the Suffering, your favorite podcast platforms. You can find our episodes there. Feel free to leave your feedback and star rings well. Help with the podcast even better going forward. You'll check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. The video version of this conversation with Troy is up on the YouTube channel. Again, Mike Phillips on YouTube. And without any further ado, we're going to kick off our coverage here. We're going to start with our look at the Big East Tournament right after this. All right, we are back here on the Just End the Suffering podcast, talking college basketball. Joining me today, our March co-host of the podcast, those of the Seeing Red podcast, Troy Morell is here. Troy, how are you? I'm doing well, Mike. It's, it's one of the best weeks of the year, uh, conference tournament week, best best five, six days of the year. I'm very, very excited to get going. I'm very excited to get going, too. And now, since the owners and players not get their way together and figure out a CBA, you and I are just the, we're the podcast this month. There's nobody really else coming in here. Yeah, yeah, baseball did us a favor, I guess, right? We can just focus all of our attention on uh, on college basketball. We don't have to worry about uh, listening or paying attention to MLB labor talks when they when they figure it out. They figure it out, but until then, we'll be watching college basketball, and and they can take their time, I guess. Yeah, they can. Let's start with the Big East. It's obviously the league you and I are paying attention to the most around here because a lot of our teams are affected here. I want to start out here. At the top, I'm going to put the graphic up in a minute in terms of the bracket. I'm going to go through some of these overall teams. You're starting with Providence because, obviously, they win the league. They There are questions about how good they really are. I mean, they, they played three less games than everybody else because of the COVID. They get swept by Villanova, Villanova. They don't play last weekend. I like this team. I don't know how good they are in terms of making a deep march. What do you think about the Friars? Yeah, I, I would agree with you in that. Um, I, I don't think that they're like as as fraudulent as a lot of Twitter likes to claim. Um, I, I don't know how legit that that Big East regular season title is. I mean, credit to them for for winning it, of course. But you know, they played three less games or two less games than everyone else. Uh, they didn't make up, I believe, against UConn and Seton Hall and one other uh, pretty good team. They didn't play, so they they got three games kind of uh, knocked off their schedule that could have been potential losses. Uh, but they know how to win. You know, I, I think that you got to give them credit for that. You know, they, they have a, a veteran team. They got a lot of guys on there that you want to have uh, on your team on the floor and in crunch minutes, you know, Nate Watson, uh, Bynum, Manaya, uh, Horkler, uh, Al Durham from, from uh, Indiana. They got a lot of guys on that team that, you know, you feel confident in to close out games. And, you know, I think that kind of speaks to, you know, the job that Ed Cooley has done this season. I think that he should be the national uh, coach of the year. I said that on the show uh, last week. Yeah. So I'm not sure you know, how far they're going to go in March. But I think that they are one of the best teams in the Big East and in a top 15, top 20 team in, in the country. But, you know, the question becomes when you play all these close games, when you're playing all of these five-point games, uh, you know, in March, you know, all it takes is one of them to go wrong and your season ends. So uh, so we'll see how it goes over the next couple of weeks for them. Yeah, for sure. I, th- I did look up while you were talking. The third game they did not make up was at Creighton, and the other two yeah. were hosting UConn and at Seton Hall. So those are three games that could easily have swung the league back to Villanova. But I, I did point out, I did talk to Zach Braziller last week, a mutual friend of ours who covers college basketball in the New York Post. He pointed out, obviously, that 
a lot of their wins were sort of big wins, sort of aided by teams missing people. Like they beat Wisconsin without Johnny Davis. It sort of happened to them when they lost Johnny Davis against the press. They lost the game. They mm-hmm. beat Seton Hall when they had seven men. They beat UConn without Adamas and Ogo. But it's also a team that beat Texas Tech at home. This is a team that picked up big wins down the stretch here. Like, I think where they are in most brackets, but like a force, I think is correct. And I think mm-hmm. they are a classic team where sort of this is a team that's greater than some of its parts. There's no real superstar here. Mm-hmm. I think that's good mm-hmm. enough to get you the second week. I don't know if they can get to the, to the final four. That's where I sit with that. Yeah, I, I agree 100% with, with with everything you said there. Yeah, they, they're they're seated properly. They're, they're I, I wouldn't see any way that they fall any lower than I would say a four seed, uh, unless maybe they lose their, their first game of the Big East tournament. And yeah, they're probably, I think they're a good candidate to be a second weekend team. But, you know, when it comes to kind of going up a weight class, I don't think that they're there uh, just yet. But we'll, we'll see. That's that's the fun of March. Yeah, it's the fun of March. We can go now to the other number two seed in the Big East, which has Villanova. And they looked hot down the stretch. They beat Providence twice. They had some very good moments here. We saw earlier we had a question about them in the non-conference where UCLA beat them. Yeah. Baylor beat them pretty badly. They mm-hmm. got blown out by Purdue. But Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a national title team. I could see this group making the final four if they get the right draw. Absolutely. If you're looking at the Big East and, and the, the contenders in, in the Big East and in the in the Big East tournament, uh, you know, Providence is obviously the one seed, but we just mentioned their ceiling is probably a sweet 16. If you're looking at a Big East team to go to the final four, it, it's going to be Villanova, I would say. Uh, they have the pedigree. Obviously, they've done it twice in the last seven or eight years now. Uh, they have the senior leadership. Colin Gillespie is probably going to be the Big East player of the year. Uh, you know, they should be a favorite. I think that they are the favorite actually to win the Big East tournament. And they're probably going to go into the NCAA tournament with a good deal of momentum. You know, this is a team that was, you know, a top 10, 15 team last year uh, before losing Colin Gillespie in the final game of the regular season. They still made it to a Sweet 16 uh, before they were knocked off. So they feel like they kind of have some unfinished business, uh, I would say. And yeah, I mean, if you're looking for the Big East team that's going to make a run, it's it's probably going to be Villanova, you know, Providence, UConn, Seton Hall, who we're, we're going to touch on in a second. You know, they have, they have shots, I would say, to be be second weekend teams, uh, but I think Villanova is is the one team in this conference that has a legitimate shot at a Final Four this year. Yeah, I think the other team to watch out of the Big East is UConn, because as you mentioned, they, they're they hot down the stretch. They have won, I believe, six of their last seven games. They're going to include a two-point win over Villanova. They beat Seton Hall. Mm-hmm. The, the one loss in that stretch was at Creighton by two. I like what's doing there. They played a lot better since Adama Sonogo came back. I think that UConn's going to be a fun team to watch. Mm-hmm. In the Big East tournament, I would say UConn is honestly is honestly one of the favorites. Uh, I would say that they're probably, I would say that they have a better shot of winning it than, than Providence does, to be honest with you. I, that's going to be, you know, UConn home games. You got to remember they haven't played a, a Big East tournament with fans in the building since 2013. So this is nine years now that they've done that. They uh, have not played in the Big East tournament, you know, in a normal Big East tournament. Uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of home games for them. It's going to be some fun crowds for them. Uh, they're the three seed, so they'll probably get Seton Hall in the second round. That's a, a huge, huge game. I could see the winner of that game, honestly, winning the whole tournament. Uh, I think UConn's got a good shot here to, to win the Big East. I don't know about them on, on the level of the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think that they could potentially be a second weekend team, but they're a type of team that I could probably see winning a game and then being being probably knocked out in the second round, I would say, more than likely. Uh, they haven't done it yet in the NCAA tournament under Hurley, so this is probably one of their best shots that they're going to go going to get to do so. Uh, but I would look for them to have more success probably in the in the Big East tournament than the than the NCAA's. Yeah, I feel like they're kind of sitting like where they're going to be like a five seed in the NCAA tournament when they get there, and then the problem you run into there is like you run into a hot twelve usually there. You got a chance to be out in the first round. You could see get to the Sweet Sixteen if everything breaks right, but I, I worry about who they draw in that first round. Yeah, yeah, I could almost see them more likely to be losing that that first game, like you mentioned, in a, in a 5-12 type game, losing that game, than winning two games and making the Sweet 16. Obviously, again, it depends on the draw. It depends on who you get, like you mentioned. But, yeah, I'm just not completely sold on them as a national contender. But in the hierarchy of the Big East, I would say that they're they're up there with anyone. Yeah, I think that's why the Big East tournament is so important for them because if they win that, that tournament, they're probably going up at least a seed line, maybe two, depending on who they beat. So, like... Their chance of getting further, I think, depends on how they do this week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that obviously, like we mentioned, you know, that makes a, a much easier first and second round game if you are a three or a four seed, let's say, uh, as opposed to a five or a six. Yeah, that's how I touch you before we look at the Big East bracket here at Seton Hall, because obviously the Pirates, they had some injury issues. Bryce Aiken, who knows when he's coming back, if he's coming back. So could Darry Richmond get hurt over the weekend against Creighton? They have played well down the stretch. They play great defense. Ken Will is probably one of the best coaches in the Big East right now, apart from Jay Wright. So 
What do you think about the Pirates? Yeah, they're 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 getting right at the right time. <laughs> you know, they had their little bit of a of a swoon there uh, at the end of January and into February, where they look like they might not even be a tournament team, frankly. Uh, but they're coming around now. You know, as, as they usually do around this time of year, and they enter the Big East tournament. Uh, they are the sixth seed, of course. Uh, they'll have to play Georgetown in the first round, but I think they enter the Big East tournament with a really good shot of winning the thing. You know, they, they come in, uh, I think that they're going to be kind of that sleeper pick that a lot of people like to take uh, to win the Big East tournament. Yeah, they come in with momentum. And like you mentioned, they play defense and that wins in March. When you can hold teams to 50, 60 points in a game, uh, you don't need to score all that much. You don't need that much offense when you can hold teams on, on defense. And that's what they do. They commit. Uh, like you mentioned, Kevin Willard is, is one of the top, I would say four coaches in, in the conference. Honestly, uh, they've overachieved once again this season as they are one to do under Willard. And uh, yeah, it's it's March and Seton Hall is playing uh, some of their best basketball. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see how they match up with UConn in that in the potential second round game. But like I said, I, I think that the winner of that game has a real good shot of winning the whole thing. Yeah, they do. Before we pull the bracket up here, I got to get your postmortem here on a very disappointing St. John's season. There's a team we uh-huh. in, in the year you're wearing the hat right now. I mean, they are, they were going the year talking about, oh, like they could be top three in the Big East. They have two potential like all conference players in Champagny, Champagny and uh, Pasha Alexander. They go 16 and 14. They're eight and 11 in the Big East. I mean, what went wrong here? Oh, yeah. The, I'm embarrassed to be wearing this hat right now. If I didn't, if I didn't have such bad hair, I would, I would not be wearing this hat. Trust me. Uh, it's, it's, it's an embarrassing season for St. John's. They just, yeah, they just never really clicked. You know, uh, I said yesterday in a podcast that I did, they, they are still making the same mistakes in game 30 that they were uh, in game one and game five. You know, it's just it's been the same uh, mistakes for this team. I think that we probably overrated a lot of the transfers that they brought in. Uh, you know, Aaron Wheeler really stepped up to the plate in conference play. Uh, he became their kind of third option. Joel Soriano was a decent big man for them. But Outside of those two guys, you know, Steph Smith, Tariq Coburn, Montez Mathis, they had flashes here and there, uh, but never really elevated to their their game to, I think, what St. John's fans thought. And, you know, Julian Champagny and Posh Alexander, they were kind of themselves, but I think we kind of expected them to maybe take a little bit more of a leap forward. Champagny was uh, all Big East first team, but I think more people thought he would be in that player of the year conversation. And Posh Alexander was an honorable mention, but uh, he was inconsistent. He struggled from three point range uh, and, you know, never really, we thought maybe he could be like an all Big East second team or a first teamer. And he didn't really deliver on that either. Um, so it's, it was a frustrating season for sure for St. John's. They get a chance to salvage it at the garden. I'm not sure if they're going to take that opportunity, but because they really haven't done so all season long, but yeah, it's, it's been a disappointing year for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm listening to the uh, New York New York podcast. Zach Raziller was at my ass last week. He was actually on with with uh, JJ talking about the Big mm-hmm. East, and he talked about specifically scheduling for both Mike Anderson and Steve Peichel down at Rutgers, and those are the kinds of things that could really cost you down the stretch. You're not scheduling aggressively enough. Yeah, I mean St. John's they didn't have a a horrible um, Big East play. You know they went what, what eight and ten this season. You know they weren't they weren't um, horrendous. You know, but but they but they didn't really pick up anything of substance in the non conference. They really only played two notable games uh, against Indiana and against Kansas. They lost both of them. Their best non conference win I think is like Colgate or St. Peter's. Maybe there's there's really no one uh, of relevance in their non conference. And when you do that, uh, I think we talked about this last week. You know, it's kind of like tying one hand behind your back going into conference play because you need to have such a great conference season. You mentioned Rutgers, you know, Rutgers had a bunch of really bad losses uh, in non-conference play, not really uh, very many notable wins. You know, their net was what, like 200 something going into going into conference play. And they had to do all this work uh, in the Big Ten, get the four seed in the Big Ten, just to kind of give themselves a little bit of cushion uh, going into the the, the Big Ten tournament. Whereas, you know, if they maybe had picked up one or two big wins in the non-conference, they would be comfortably in right now. So, yeah, non-conference scheduling matters. I know that college basketball isn't necessarily on everyone's minds in uh, in November and December, but you know if you can pick up a couple of wins there, it goes a very very long way. I mean, look at the Big East. You know, Seton Hall, Xavier, Creighton, Marquette all picked up big wins uh, in the non-conference, and that kind of made their jobs a little bit easier in in uh, in conference play. Yeah, I and mean, you look at Seton Hall specifically in conference and non-conference play. I mean, they picked up some big wins. They beat they won at Michigan when Michigan was a top ten team. And granted, they're not mm-hmm. the same Michigan team that they ended up or at that point of the year. They won over Texas. Those two games and like Seton Hall's conference record is a little better than St. John's, and you see the big mm-hmm. difference there. I mean, Seton Hall in the league went eleven and eight. So 
Mm-hmm. You you flip a couple of games, you win two more games. You're you're, you're seat in the hall. You're in the field, as opposed to St. John's, where you have to win the whole thing to get in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, for St. John's, uh, you know, they they obviously did no favors in the non-conference and then in conference play. They had so many games that were right there for the taking quad one and quad two games, you know, Villanova, UConn twice, Providence twice, Creighton. They had so many opportunities. And, you know, if just two of them probably go their way, um, you know, in, in conference play and they're looking at a 10 and eight conference record right now. Uh, worst case, they're probably at least, you know, in the bubble conversation going into Big East play where you say, hey, if we can win two games here, three games here in, in the Big East, com- uh, in the Big East tournament, uh, we'll be on the right side of the bubble on Selection Sunday. Whereas now, like you mentioned, they're really their only shot is getting the auto bid and running the table. So, yeah, you know, non-conference scheduling matters and, and closing out games against quad one and quad two teams. Uh, it, that matters as well. Yeah, we brought the path. We're going to put the bracket up here. I want to thank John Rothstein on, on, on Twitter for doing the Lord's work. They're putting up every single bracket <laughs> on, on his media for a while. So here's the Big East tournament bracket we're looking at here. St. John's the seven seed right here. They are playing DePaul the first round. You figure mm-hmm. you could probably win that game. Would you agree with that? I, I would say, yeah, but, you know, they, they did lose to DePaul just uh, just eight days ago. So, you know, it, it's not as easy as a matchup as uh, as I would have said maybe maybe uh, two weeks ago. But, uh, yeah, they are favored to win that game for sure. Yeah, let's put them through here. And then the problem they're going to run into here is they have to win the whole thing is they're on the bottom half of the bracket here where they're going to deal with Villanova in the quarterfinals on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. If they win that, they get either UConn or Seton Hall because, I'm sorry, Georgetown's not winning that game against, against Seton Hall. So <laughs> yeah, you, you deal yeah, with you all of that. And then you have to get to the final. You have to deal with Providence or Marquette or somebody like that. Like that's a brutal road to go through. Yeah, the funny thing was uh, that game on Wednesday when they beat Xavier, that actually clinched the the seven seed for St. John's and, and locked uh, Xavier into the eight seed. You know, it, it probably would have been better for for uh, St. John's to lose that game to be the eight seed. I mean, you look at Xavier's path right now. They go through a Butler team that's kind of fading. Uh, St. John's really crushed Butler two t- or crushed Butler the last time that they played them, and they beat them both times that they played them this season. And then you get Providence in, in the in the second round, uh, which, like we've said, you know they, they are the one seed, but I would still say Villanova and UConn are probably uh, tougher tougher matchups than Providence uh, in in this tournament. So you know the top half of the bracket looks a lot easier. St. John's winning over Xavier last week probably put them in a less advantageous spot to make a run here uh, as the seven seed rather than the eight seed. Yeah, I've not uh, bullish on the chance. They think the thing to watch in this tournament here, I think it's a little bubble intrigue, especially over here, number four, Creighton, which is in playing without Ryan Nemhart if he got hurt and lost mm-hmm. for the season. And they have a tricky first round match against Marquette. I think the fact they beat UConn with that, I think it's enough to get them in. But if you're Xavier over here, and you've been fading down the stretch. I don't think you can go losing the Butler and making your life much more difficult than it has to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Xavier's actually had a couple of, of bad losses uh, on the first day of the Big East tournament in the, in the last two years. I believe they lost to, to Butler last year. Maybe it was Marquette. And then the year prior to that, they lost to DePaul actually before the tournament got canceled. Both years they went into the tournament kind of right on the bubble and they lost their first game. Uh, they're hoping to not have that happen this year. Yeah, you know, a, a win over Butler, and they're probably good, I would say. And then if they are able to take down Providence in the second round, uh, then they're definitely, and that would kind of lock them in, and then they're just playing for seeding at that point. Yeah, Xavier's going to be the interesting study. They're, they're very, very desperate. Uh, I've talked to a couple of people over the last, uh, you know, 24, 48 hours after the bracket's been set. Uh, everyone kind of likes Xavier as kind of the, the sleeper team that can maybe make a run from, uh, from, from that side of the bracket. You know, as as kind of a desperate team that maybe needs a win or two or three to really, you know, uh, put themselves in a better position in going into the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, they're kind of a a very interesting game uh, game against Butler. You know, that's a must win, and then you, you see what they do against Providence. And uh, yeah, you know, you're looking at Creighton and Marquette. Maybe not necessarily a a, a massive game for for Creighton. I would say that they're probably good uh, after their performance this weekend, but. You know, you, you really want to lock it in as, as always and, and uh, take care of business against Marquette. And then I would say you're you're absolutely on the right side of the bubble. I feel like I'd be more worried if I was Xavier just because, again, they've been sliding on the stretch. No, but every game counts. They did beat Ohio State in the non-conference. It's going to be huge for mm-hmm. them weighing in here. I feel like the way they've slid, I feel like they're much closer to their first four territory than they would like to admit. So, like, if I'm them, like, you have to be Butler. You can't mm-hmm. give the committee a reason to potentially leave you out if there's like bid fees popping up. I don't know where they'll come yep. from, but there could still be some. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you want to almost guarantee yourself that you're in the the field of 64 here yep. and not playing, like you mentioned, uh, a first-round game 
And obviously losing the Butler does not do that. And, you know, you even want to beat Providence, I would say, uh, and get through, you know, Xavier almost beat Providence. What was that? Two, three weeks ago, they went to, to triple overtime. Uh, Xavier had a couple of chances to win that game on the road. So they know that they can do it. Uh, it's just a matter of going out there and actually doing it. And, you know, if, if they are able to get to the semifinals on Friday night as the eighth seed, I think that would fully put them in, in you know, not in the last four in, they'd, they'd be in uh, the normal tournament there and would not have to worry about playing in the first four. So that's the goal for Xavier, I would say, is to make at least the semifinals and to guarantee yourself that you're not uh, having to play an extra game in the NCAAs. All right, so quickly here, while we have this bracket up here, I know this is Monday we're recording and the tournament starts on Wednesday. If you had to make a pick right now, who wins this tournament? Who are you going with? Yeah, I'd probably still go with Villanova, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I, I just, I, I think that they're the best team in the conference. I know that they're the two seed, but they are kind of the favorite. If you look at the betting lines going in, uh, but like I mentioned, I could absolutely see that, that Seton Hall UConn winner, uh, going, going far as well. If I had to make a pick, I would take Villanova, but that that's the fun thing about, uh, this Big East tournament and about a lot of these conference tournaments is you can make a case for Providence, Villanova, UConn, Seton Hall, uh, even, you know, Creighton. We just talked about maybe Xavier making it to the, to the semifinals as well. There's, you know, there's four or five teams that have a legitimate claim to win this thing. So uh, it's going to be very, very fun. And, you know, who knows, maybe we see a team kind of pop up out of nowhere like we did with Georgetown last year. But if I had to make a pick, I, I would pick Villanova. I lean Villanova as well, just based on the fact that they are the best team in this field. The thing I worry about here is, like, I feel like, their half of the draw is going to be brutal. So say if they draw the UConn or Seton Hall semifinal, like, I mean, they're going mm-hmm. to get one of them if, if they get there. Whereas probably like they have a much easier path to get there where they might be like less like beaten up by the time they get to that final game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the bottom half of this bracket is brutal with, with Villanova, UConn and, and, uh, and Seton Hall in there. Um, you know, like I said, that, that, that semifinal game is going to be great either way. If we get it to be Villanova versus UConn or Hall, Uh, And I think that the winner of that is probably going to end up being the winner of the tournament. Yeah, for sure. Let's go ahead now to some of the other stuff from Champ Weekend. We are sitting here on Monday. We have the number one seed, I think, still in some doubt. I think there's two that I think are safe as a couple are still up for grabs. You have to say right now, when we are looking at the bracket in six days, who are the four one seeds in your mind? Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, Gonzaga is safe, I, I would say for sure. Uh, I don't, I don't, unless they somehow fell off, I, I wouldn't see any way that they're not a one seed. Um, Baylor is, is good. I would say yeah, as a one seed Arizona, if they're able to take care of business in the, in the pack 12 is, is pretty much going to lock up a one. Um, well, I, I guess you would say either Baylor or Kansas, right? I, I would say probably the winner of the big 12 is, is going to be a one seed. I could see both uh, if they, if they were to meet in the final, which I think is possible. Um, you know, and then, and then you look out for one of the SEC teams, Auburn or Kentucky. Um, I, I don't know if Duke has a shot, but I would say there's probably about six or seven teams that have a legit shot at it. Um, Gonzaga, I think, is is kind of locked up uh, for sure. And then, you know, it, we'll, we'll see about the other the other three. Yeah, I think Gonzaga and Arizona are both safe, in my opinion here. I think yeah. the mm-hmm. big, I think Baylor's probably got the inside path over Kansas. I don't like the way Kansas played down the stretch. I think they're probably going to end mm-hmm. up on the one line. I would guess at this point I'd say Auburn. Uh, yeah, I feel like they're got an easier path because the SC final. They do that, they'll at least get the one seed. I do mm-hmm. think Kentucky's probably in there. I think Wisconsin could have been in there if they didn't lose in Nebraska. If they yes. won the Big Ten and they won the Big Ten mm-hmm. conference, I think they could have had a strong case to get up there. Mm-hmm. Do you think Duke has a shot at a one or no? I think they've lost too many games at this point. Yeah, I agree. I think if they would have won, would have taken care of business against Carolina and then win the ACC, they'd have a case. Uh, I think they're they're pretty much stuck on the two line now, though. Yeah, I think they are going to be like a. Probably like the seven C and the S curve, I guess. Yeah, I agree. And now we're having some fun here because we were talking last week about after all. Oh, you know, we'll do the blind resume game again, but the bubble kind of sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know, I think we, you know, we see this time of year a lot of a lot of bubble teams are kind of mediocre teams, right? There's a reason why you're on the bubble because you're not good enough to be in the uh, in the field of 64 normally. You know, you're, you're kind of playing for your bubble life here. Uh, but we're seeing a lot of teams kind of slip up here down the stretch. No one is really, uh, you know, taking advantage of, of opportunities um, and played themselves off the bubble. I guess Rutgers had, has a little bit, but, you know, you can name a lot of teams that have kind of fallen off here and not really done a whole lot to impress. So, you know, it, it's still wide open, though, I, I would say, you know, looking at looking at the uh, the bracketology, I mean, yeah, I'm you know, throw, Rutgers I'm, I'm has throwing, kind of snuck in. I'm oh, going to throw, go throw Lenardi's bracketology on the screen for us here in terms of who's there on the go. bubble. Okay. Because 
I had, because I was looking into the weekend, I mean, this over the weekend, a lot of teams made some big moves to put themselves closer to mm-hmm. the actual field. Like, North Carolina are personal punching boys. I think now we can say they're safely in. They beat, they won at Duke. They finally got that big win we were looking for. Yes, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. North North Carolina, uh, unfortunately, is, is, is in now. Uh, unfortunately for us, is in now. But can we talk about how North Carolina is ranked all of a sudden? Where, where did that come from? How, how did they get ranked after one win? That's something that we can complain about if we're going to complain about anything. Yeah, I don't know how they got in the rankings. That makes no sense to me. <laughs> yeah, come on. They, they go from a bubble team to a top 25 team in, in, after one win. Uh, that, that's one thing that we can rip on, at least. That's the AP, just looking at the win total and seeing that they beat Duke at Duke and Coach K last game overrating them a little bit. Yeah, that's that's a lot of uh, AP voters who probably didn't watch much of North Carolina all season long and then watched that last game against Coach K and uh, now think that they're a top 25 team for sure. Because they're going, ooh, 23 wins, beat one at Duke, great, in the poll. Yeah, exactly. That That's probably one of the few games that they've watched all season long. A lot of voters, I would say. Yeah, in terms of teams made moves in the bubble here, Memphis, I think, had a good two-win week. Yeah. They swept Houston. They, mm-hmm. I think they're pretty much in the field. Michigan had a good week. They they beat Michigan State. They beat Ohio State. So they're they're in the field now. And Rutgers, too, yeah. had to go 2-1. and one. They beat Indiana. Again, they had to win. They held on against Penn State. Like, And we'll get to them in a minute. But I feel like where they are in the Big Ten bracket, they should be good, feeling good, too. Yeah, absolutely. Big week for them. Huge win for them on Wednesday against against Indiana, who Indiana just they, they seem like they can't seem to like get over the edge there. Uh, but that was a great, great finish. Uh, Ron Harper Jr. nailing the shot at the end there. Uh, that was awesome. And then, like you said, they hang on against Penn State. They avoid that loss. They're the four seed in the Big, big Ten now. Uh, yeah, I think that they should be feeling pretty good about themselves going into the Big, big Ten tournament. Yeah, I'm looking at the thing. We have Xavier here. He has them as the last four teams in, which is a spot you do not want to be if you're the Musketeers, the way you've been playing here. But, I mean, look mm-hmm. at these teams that are on the outside here. How do you get excited about any of these? Indiana cannot can, can, can't barely beat anybody away from Assembly Hall. BYU mm-hmm. just lost to San Francisco again, so they, they mm-hmm. even make the semifinals of the WCC. Dayton mm-hmm. I like, but they have four quad four losses and three in a row at home in November. Virginia mm-hmm. Tech, Virginia. We know how much we love the ACC. <laughs> uh, VCU, Florida, Texas A&M. Oregon fell off the page because they couldn't beat because yep. they took like a week off. It's like nobody on the outside here, apart from maybe Dayton, you're excited about getting in the field. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And Oregon, yeah, Oregon stunk this weekend as well. Florida missed a big opportunity. Uh, yeah, like Virginia Tech, Virginia, uh, both playing the crappy ACC and haven't been able to really separate themselves. You know, this could be maybe a year where it's not a very controversial bubble. You know, I don't know unless one of those teams, one of those eight teams that we're looking at right now, unless they do some major work in their conference tournaments, you know, none of them really have a a fantastic case as to why they should be in the uh, in the field of 68. The one I will feel like I'm going to be worried about on the last on the eight that are in page in terms of like their resume is like if Wyoming losing the first round of the Mountain West tournament. I, I could see them getting screwed, and that would be that would annoy mm-hmm. me because I could see them just giving Indiana the berth for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right, and I think is Wyoming the. Let me look at that real quick. I think they're they're the four seed as well. Yeah, they are. They're the four. So yeah, they've got to get at least a game uh, to really feel good. Uh, I would think that if they get a game, that they'll uh, they'll be in a good spot, and then I think they would play Boise in the uh, in the or potentially play Boise in the uh, in the quarterfinals. I guess it would be. So yeah. It, but I could see a scenario for sure where they they drop the first one and then they uh, they get booted out of the field, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. Let's look at some of the conference tournaments here. We're going to start with the ACC tournament. We're going to go look at that bracket right now, and I'm going to pull that one up again. These are all these brackets coming from John Rothstein's Twitter account here. In terms of the ACC here, I think the thing to watch here is I think the bottom of the bracket down here. I think you got your two potential bid thieves, Virginia Tech and Virginia. If one of them can get through the final, they have a shot here. I think mm-hmm. if you're Miami here, you better win your first game. I don't think the resume is as good as Joe Laurie makes it out to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, and looking at that bottom of the bracket, I mean, Virginia Tech and Virginia, you know, are you are you really scared of Notre Dame and North Carolina? I don't think any of them, either of them really, really terrifies you. And that's a pretty good path there to the semifinals. Yeah, and up top, uh, Miami, you know, they, they, they will probably get Wake Forest in the, uh, in the uh, quarterfinals, another team that's kind of looking on the bubble, probably on the right side uh, of the bubble. But yeah, Miami, uh, if, if you lose that first game to Wake Forest, you, you your resume could be taking a bit of a hit there. But, you know, in, in terms of a champion in this one, it, it of course runs through Duke. I, I think that there's, you know, a, a very clear drop off between Duke and uh, the number two seed Notre Dame. And, and uh, you know, I know UNC just beat Duke, but 
I, I, I think that this is Duke's tournament to lose for sure. I'm with you. I feel like the UNC game is sort of extenuating circumstances where like there was so much pressure on those kids who win that game in Mike K and Coach Cassidy's last home game here. And mm -hmm. that they couldn't do it. There was just too much pressure, I think. And now I think they'll have a big burden lifted off them going into Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And maybe it gives North Carolina some uh, some uh, momentum going into the, the ACC tournament. But yeah, I, I, that was that was a, that was a kind of a different scenario there for that one. But that tournament being in Brooklyn is ridiculous. I know that it's scheduled uh, far beforehand, but you know to have Coach K's final ACC tournament be, be in Brooklyn, uh, kind of as like the B tournament in town after the Big East, that that's got to be kind of kind of a a, a black eye for the uh, for the ACC. I'm sure that they kind of regret doing that, and they'd rather have it be in Greensboro, where it's where it's known to be. Uh, you know, again, I know that they schedule those so far in advance, but. Man, that that that's gonna stink to see the the ACC in, in in Brooklyn, where no one's really even gonna be paying attention to it locally. Yeah, I mean Zach Braziller last week on the podcast said this is the JV tournament in New York. <laughs> it is, yeah, and I mean, I, I mean, you look at the two brackets, and it's it's clear, you know, that the Big East is gonna get get, get seven teams in uh, potentially to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, the Big East owns the uh, owns the city for sure for this week, and I mean the ACC will get a couple of headlines here and there. Maybe if it's a if it's a, if it's a Duke UNC final, they'll get some nice uh, some nice publicity there. Of course, that'll be Coach K's last uh, ACC tournament. But yeah, I just don't think anyone locally really cares about the ACC outside of maybe the Syracuse fans that are going to come in for their game. Yeah, for sure. Let's go to the Big Ten bracket. Now. I'm going to throw that one up on the screen here for people watching the YouTube version. Again, Mike Phillips on YouTube. This is the Big Ten turn here. We talked about Rutgers earlier. The fact that mm -hmm. they managed to get the four seed, I think, is massive for them because the one thing they cannot afford right now is bad losses. And, like, unless somehow Nebraska or Northwestern gets past Iowa and gets to the quarterfinal against Rutgers here, I think no, no way they can lose to is going to be a bad loss for them. That's, yeah, that's that's a great point. I mean, an Iowa, a loss to Iowa, let's say, in the uh, in the quarterfinals, yeah, that doesn't kill them. Uh, I think that they would be sweating it out for sure on Selection Sunday. But yeah, like you said, they avoid having to play really that that second round game um, against a team like Nebraska or Northwestern. You know, we saw them struggle with Penn State the other day. Yeah, getting that getting that double buy for Rutgers is huge. And can you imagine like five six years ago telling someone that Rutgers would be a, a, a top four seed and getting a double buy in the uh, in the big 10 tournament. I mean, it, it's just crazy. Uh, the job that they've done over there and the, the improvement that we've seen from Rutgers over the past couple of seasons to, to be in a spot where they're, you know, they're up there with the top teams in the big 10. Yeah, absolutely. I think the game I think is most intriguing to me early on here is this Indiana Michigan game, because both those teams are right on the ball mix. I think if Indiana loses, they're done. I don't think there's any shot again if they can't beat Michigan. Yeah, that's, that's kind of like a, I think Michigan's probably good. I would say with the week that they just had, um, but yeah, Indiana, if they're going to have any shot, they got to take care of uh, Michigan. Uh, and then, you know, I would say Indy, uh, Illinois kind of becomes like a playing game for them. You know, if, if they're in the, uh, in the semifinals on Saturday, I would say that they're, they're probably feeling really good about themselves. Uh, you know, unless there's a bunch of, of bid stealers, but yeah, that, that's kind of like a, a very intriguing, um, you know, eight, nine matchup for sure. Yeah, it is a very good eight, nine matchup for sure. I do think I like the, in terms of potential semifinal matchups here, I think the, potential Purdue Ohio state game in the, in the, on the Friday would be fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a, that would be a good one as well. Um, you know, two of the top teams I, I've been so high on Purdue all season long, they go in as the three seed. Yeah. That could be, that could be a really, really fun one. And and I would assume Ohio state gets through uh plant facing either Minnesota or, uh, or Penn state. I, I really liked Wisconsin uh, in this tournament a couple of days ago. And then obviously they, they suffered that, that horrible, horrible loss yesterday. Uh, and they lose Johnny Davis. Hopefully he's okay uh, and, and good to go. But yeah, uh, you know, in terms of a winner in this one, I don't know. I, I really think it's up in the air. I, I don't think that Rutgers is going to win the whole thing, you know, but I, I could see, of course, Illinois, of course, Purdue, like you mentioned, Ohio State. I would still think that you kind of got to keep Wisconsin in the mix. This is another one where you could probably pick, I would say, four teams that have a legitimate shot. I think for me, if Johnny Davis is healthy, Wisconsin is winning. I say if not, it's going to be Illinois. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would I would pretty much agree. Uh, like I said before that in, uh, before that in, injury, I was uh, really high on uh, on Wisconsin in this tournament. Um, but yeah, I, I would say Wisconsin it would be my pick if Davis is, is around, and if not, uh, they could they could probably lose their first game honestly uh, against Maryland or Michigan State. Yeah, because I got a plus six thousand locked on Wisconsin right now. I'm also very invested in the Badgers. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah the true the yeah. true stuff comes out. <laughs> yeah, I do love that team. And let's go now to another league here. We're gonna, we're gonna go to let's go to the Big Twelve. We got things. Obviously, this league is a lot of fun just because again, like I think right now we know Oklahoma State obviously cannot play because they got the postseason ban. But this is a nineteen field. All nineteen are capable of winning this tournament. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. You know, uh, that first round game, Kansas State and West Virginia. Um, but I, I just I, I hope that we get a Kansas Baylor final in, in this one. You know, I, I know that uh, that Texas Tech and Texas are, are all right, but man, I, I really would love to see Kansas and Baylor kind of uh, face off with each other in the finals of this one. Uh, and that like that could be for a one seed, I, I, I would say, you know, uh, depending on who who wins the Big 12 tournament, that could be kind of like the the playing game for a for a number one seed. They played uh, two games this year. They split them both. So this is kind of like the rubber match. Uh, that's kind of the storyline for this one for me is uh, is do we see Kansas and Baylor? Do we get the chalk and do we get them matching up in the final on uh, on Saturday? Yeah, I think Kansas worth noting here is that like they have struggled a bit down the stretch. I mean, they lost two games in a row. They lost to Baylor. They lost to TCU. And mm-hmm. then they they should have lost to TCU the second time. He bounces away. They, they, lost, they could have lost to Texas. They went to overtime and then Texas ran out yeah. of gas. And look who's in the second half round against them, Texas or TCU. So seeing those teams that quickly in that short succession could lead to an upset there. Yeah, yeah, definitely could. Like like you just said, that those are two teams that gave them trouble. Uh, this season so yeah that that if we're picking an upset that would probably be the one um, I, I would say would be one of those two teams to reach the final uh, and getting past Kansas yeah I think also in terms of the bottom here Oklahoma has to win that game against Baylor probably would tech beat Texas Tech too they won't have any shot getting on the ball because they just have so many losses yeah yeah it's gonna be a tough task for for Oklahoma they almost have to to make the final <laughs> right and and even if they, once you make the final you know, uh, I, we've said this about I've said this about St. John's in the past. One, once you make the final of the conference tournament, you may as well just win the thing and, and get the auto bid. Yeah, but that's that's a must win game for them in the first round against Baylor if they're going to have any shot. And then, you know, they can pick up a kind of a second quality win there in the semis. Uh, and then, you know, like we said, once you're in the final, you may as well win it. Yeah, I think if I'm picking one, I think I am going to pick Texas Tech. I do think that they got put on okay. alert there when they lost Oklahoma State over the weekend there. They lost 52-51. I think their defense is phenomenal. They're going to blow Iowa State out because Iowa State cannot put the ball in the basket. It's going to be a big problem against a defensive team like that. I mm-hmm. think they're good enough to do, to beat Baylor and Kansas back back if it comes to that. But I don't think it will. I think they're going to end up being somebody like Texas in the final. Okay, yeah, so a lot of upsets in, in your bracket. I, I could absolutely see Texas Tech winning it. Uh, you, you, you kind of convinced me, me there on Texas tech a little bit. Um, I, I really want to see the, uh, the Kansas Baylor final. Uh, I just, I really would like to see that for a third time. Uh, so I will pick Kansas, but you, you make a very convincing argument with Texas tech. All right. We got a couple more of the big boys to go through here. We're going to go next to the pack 12, which to me, I think there's only real one real interesting thing to come out of this tournament right now. What the hell does Oregon do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, do we, do we see another bid stealer like we did last year with, uh, with Oregon state, like we mentioned, Oregon just completely played themselves uh, off the bubble in the last couple of weeks. You know, they go in as the five seed now uh, again, they're going to need, I mean, they would probably need three wins to, to really have a shot. And again, you know, if you're going to get to the final, you may as well win it. Uh, so will we see that kind of bid stealer like we did last year? Uh, I, I don't think so. I, I think that the, the top three in this conference, it's kind of similar to the ACC where, you know, where it's Duke and then everyone else. I think that this conference is kind of Arizona, UCLA, USC, and then kind of a pretty big, um, big gap between them and everyone else. They're probably only going to get three in the, uh, in the NCAA tournament. And it's going to be those three. Like you mentioned, Arizona is probably locked into a one already. So I guess we'll kind of see what type of a seed UCLA and USC get depending on, uh, on how far they can go. And that could be a, a matchup in the semifinals. Yeah, because I don't know if you have it in front of you. Can you look at the bad losses Oregon has here? I bet there's so many. Because I know they got swept by Arizona State. They, mm-hmm. I know they lost this week to Washington to both Washington schools. Like there's, there's a loss to Cal in there. It's like so frustrating that because at their best, I mean, they beat, they swept UCLA, they beat mm-hmm. USC, they could have beaten Arizona and lost in overtime. Like. This team, if you're looking for the 68 best team in the country in terms of talent level, they're there. But like the effort oh, yeah. doesn't come across all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And just looking at these these bad losses now in the in the last run. Yeah, Arizona State, Washington, Washington State. 
Uh, they lost to Cal earlier in, in Big 12 play. They lost to Stanford, uh, Arizona State back in December. Yeah, you know, but they have the big wins, obviously. They beat UCLA. They beat USC, like you mentioned. Uh, they, they swept UCLA, actually. Yeah, they, they have the big wins. Like you said, the talent is there for them. It's just not the consistency that you need to see to uh to be a you know to be a um an NCAA tournament team and you know with 13 losses that's that's you know a tough sell for an at-large bid and it's going to be tough for them to to uh make the NCAAs unless they can make a run here and the problem is this game and this game are both nothing burgers like they they mm-hmm. they beat Oregon State and Colorado does absolutely nothing for them like they are getting to Arizona they have to beat that game and then again you're here you might as well just beat either UCLA or USC and get yourself the auto bid if you're there yeah, that's that's a great point. Yeah, Oregon State beating them does nothing for you. Beating Colorado really doesn't do much for you. Uh, yeah, they they won't really have a chance to pick up uh, a quality win until um, until Friday night. They're another team where you know if you're an Oregon fan, and you're looking to get into the the field of 68. You probably would have preferred to be on the lower half of the bracket, right? So that you would at least get a second round game against UCLA or against US USC to get another quality win. You know to have to maybe get a chance to to play one of those and then play the other one in the semifinals. Um, you know now really your your only chance for a quality win would be to getting to the semifinals and facing Arizona. Yeah, I do. I think if there's a bit stealer out of the big league, I think it's them. But I don't think they're going to do. It. I think Arizona's going to win this thing. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good that's a, a good take there. Um, I, I'm going to pick Arizona as well. You know, UCLA. I've been high on them all season long, but uh, I think Arizona is the best team in the conference, and they're probably going to win this one. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's un- unfortunate because I like Oregon a lot. Just again, like it's hard to reward them when they've been so inconsistent all year long. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and especially now, you know, losing, losing five out of six now uh, in, in, you know, late February and early March, you know, that, that'll do it for you. You know, if, if you were already, you didn't have a great resume to begin with, and then you really fall off off a cliff here in the last uh, couple of weeks, you know, that that's the recency bias. That's what everyone's seeing now down the stretch. Um, yeah. It's just been too inconsistent from them. Absolutely. Now we'll go to the SEC, the last of the big conferences here. This is another fun one here. I'm looking at the bracket right now here. I think the things to watch here is obviously they're, they're getting six teams in here. First up mm-hmm. here, Florida up at the top. They have to beat Texas A&M. They get, then they have to try to get just to get to Auburn. I think Florida probably needs to win at least two games to, to yeah. give themselves a shot here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they missed an opportunity this weekend. But, yeah, the opportunity is right there for them. You know, they've, they've got to get through the, the first round or the I guess it would be their first game in the second round. And then they get, you know, what's maybe a type of playing game against Auburn. If they can knock off Auburn and reach the semifinals, I think that they have a legitimate case then. Do you know what Florida's record is this year, by the way? No. What, what's their overall record? I was asking if you could check on that real quick. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I got you. Because I, I can't do it in the share screen. Otherwise, it looks very weird. Yeah, yeah, hold on. I got it right here. They are um, 19 and 12. Yeah, and they don't have a lot of great wins in there. They have a loss at home to Texas Southern, which is basically the anchor. I think it's keeping them where they are in the bracket. Yeah, they do. And and yeah, I mean, they have the win over uh, over Auburn, but yeah, two losses to Kentucky. They lost to Arkansas. They lost to Tennessee, lost to LSU, uh, lost to Alabama. Yeah, they don't really have that like that signature win. I know that they beat uh, Auburn a couple of weeks ago, but besides that, there's not a lot of great wins on there. Yeah, I think they, they think they beat Ohio State on a buzzer beater in uh, one of they the, did. In the NTEs. Yeah. Like, that's the only other big win they have. Yeah, yeah. Even their non-conference, they beat Florida State. Who I get that's not even much of a win now. Lost to Oklahoma. Lost to Maryland in non-conference. So yeah, they uh they need some big wins here. And and you know Auburn's a team that they've beat before. They've got a shot here uh, to to kind of you know jump up from that probably next four out category. Uh, and if they're going to do it, it would be against Auburn for sure. And my question to you is like, if they get to the final and lose, do you think that's enough for them to get in? Yeah, I, I would think so. Cause, cause I mean, if they if they're in the final, you know, they, they've picked up a win over Auburn, and then they've probably picked up another win either against LSU or Arkansas. Those are two quality wins. Um, they've got they've they've got a lot of work to do. I would say, cause like I said, I, I think they're more on that that like next four out type uh, type spot right now. So they've got to jump a lot of teams. But if you pick up two quality wins there over top twenty five teams. Uh, in back-to-back days and then you know you play a good game and you lose to you know Kentucky or, or Tennessee in the in the title game uh, I think that would be enough for them yeah and I also go to the bottom bracket here we had Tennessee and Kentucky side by a tiebreaker Tennessee got the two C I think it's a massive difference here because Tennessee is their second first game is going to end up being against either South Carolina Mississippi State both teams that should be Kentucky might be getting Alabama and again that's mm-hmm. a might because Alabama is known to lose to bad teams so they could for <laughs> all we know they could be playing Vanderbilt but 
if Kentucky gets Alabama before they have to play Tennessee, I think it's a big problem. Yes, absolutely. The difference between the two and the three is huge here uh, because the difference between the the six and the seven is huge, you know, between Alabama and uh, and South Carolina. Like you said, maybe Kentucky gets lucky. Maybe uh, maybe Vanderbilt or even Georgia can can pick off uh, Alabama or I would say more likely Vanderbilt in that case. But uh, yeah, Kentucky, that, that bottom half of the bracket is tough because you've got three teams there that I think could could uh, have a case for the for the title. You know, three NCAA tournament teams there in Kentucky, Alabama, and Tennessee, uh, all who, who are going to have a legitimate shot at the title. So that bracket, that bottom of the bracket is really intriguing to me. Who do you have winning? I, I still like Kentucky. I just think they got so much talent. Um, I, I like I like their game. I like Shibway for sure. I like Ty Ty Washington. They got they got a lot of guys that I like. Um, and like I said, you know, they, they do have a tough for a quarterfinal matchup against possibly Alabama. It's going to be a tough road for them to get through Alabama, Tennessee, and then potentially Auburn. Uh, but I think they can do it. I, I'm going to go with uh, Kentucky as a three seed. I'm going to take Auburn here. I think this is because of the fact their path is a little easier. I think, again, mm-hmm. like they only have to beat one of the Arkansas LSU contingent, which is helpful for them before they get to the final here. They've beaten both of these teams. They beat, I think they beat Kentucky. I don't know. If, they played Tennessee twice. I think it was only once. They were lost mm-hmm. at Tennessee. And this past mm-hmm. week, they looked much better when they went down and be- beat South Carolina by double digits. They, they picked a big road win at Mississippi State. So I feel yes. much better about them. I think they're going to win this thing. Yeah, yeah. That that, uh, that uh, upper half of the bracket, you know, for, that, for them at least is a lot easier. And, yeah, they'll really only have to go through. Uh, I mean, the only thing with them is they are facing a, you know, potentially a very desperate Florida team um, in the uh, in the quarterfinals that, you know, is going to be needing a win, like we said, to uh, to make the NCAA. So that's that's the only thing for them. But yeah, I mean, in terms of playing quality competition, yeah, the the, the Auburn path is much much easier than Kentucky or say Tennessee. We also, no walk Florida gets there. They could also easily lose that game in Texas A&M. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, that's why they're a bubble team. You know, they they lose games like that. So yeah, there's no guarantee that Florida even gets through. All right, let's go ahead now, real quick. Some of the mid major leads because I feel like the bid thieves. I think. The people in the bubble got a huge sigh relief over the weekend. Loyola, Chicago, and Murray State both won their yeah. auto bids because those leagues would have been two big leagues if they if those teams lost in the final. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. That was a uh, that was an ugly game that Loyola Chicago won. But yeah, everyone's probably happy that they were able to uh, to close it out. In terms of the the mid majors uh, that that I'm watching, I'm looking out for the A10. Uh, I'm really really into the A10 tournament. Uh, they got I would say four teams that have a, a shot or definitely three. You know, I think Davidson is is, is pretty safe right now. Uh, Dayton is really going to be playing for their tournament lives. And then, and then VCU as well. Um, that's, it's a fun league, uh, the A-10. And, and like I said, they got three, maybe four teams that have a shot uh, at, at, um, at reaching March, at reaching the uh, NCAA tournament. So I, I'm a big fan of the A-10. Like I said, it, it's going to be a good couple of games that uh, potential Dayton and VCU game in the semifinals would be really, really fun to watch uh, as, you know, a game between two bubble teams. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the 8-10 tournament. I think it's in, yeah, it's in Washington, D.C. I wish that was in Brooklyn this year instead of the uh, instead of the uh, the uh, ACC because maybe I'd be able to find my way over there for uh, one of their games. But, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to the 8-10. 8-10, I guarantee this is where the big team is coming from because there's only one team in that league that's a lock of the tournament. It's Davidson. I think I have... Six teams, I think, in my opinion, that could win this thing outright. I mean, I think St. Louis and Richmond are the pilot. I think any either of those teams capable of making a run here besides the top four seeds. Also, throughout here, how about Fordham, local angle here? They are never good in the A-10. And all of a sudden, they had a very good year under Kyle Neptune. They're the eighth seed. Mm-hmm. They're playing George Mason. They could get a shot at Davidson in the, in the quarterfinals. Yeah, and they play some incredible defense for him. What, what a job by Kyle Neptune, who I, I bet in in two or three years is going to get some uh, some high major offers, maybe even from from my school in a few yeah. years. Uh, yeah, what a, what a job from him in year one. Yeah, I think in terms of this this bracket here, I think Dayton is a team I like to win this bracket because I think that they are the most like they, they're the closest to the bubble here. I think they are the most motivated to get the win here. Obviously, VCU is talented. VCU can win the auto bid themselves, but. I think I like Dayton to get through. They just beat Davidson last week. They they most of their issues are to those three straight quad one quad four loss at home in November. Mm-hmm. Apart from mm-hmm. that, they've been pretty consistent through the season. They haven't they have a win over Kansas, which is also something you can't forget about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, I mean that that's why uh, it's a good it's a good thing to say that the bid thief is gonna come from this conference for sure. Because you know, you know, Dayton and VCU are are certainly on the bubble right now. 
Um, I, I would say Dayton is a good pick to win the whole thing, though, to be honest with you. I, I don't think Davidson wins this conference, though, because I like like we mentioned, there's a lot of desperate teams out there. Uh, there are probably uh, four, five, six teams that could win it and could steal the bid, uh, and, and a couple of them are on the bubble already. So, yeah, that, that's why I'm looking forward to this one so much. I'm going to make a bold prediction here. I know this is a little early, but this is something specifically for this conference. Davidson's not making the final. Oh, okay. See, so I think they're either getting knocked off by Fordham or by by who? St. Bonaventure. I think St. Bonaventure, St. Louis, because people forget St. Bonaventure was a top twenty-five preseason team as a ton of experience went to the tournament last year. They are, yeah, uh huh, yeah, and, and and they were picked what preseason top twenty-five as well, as well. They got the talent as well, and they, I believe they're a very uh, senior-laden team, St. Bonaventure. They got a lot of guys on that team that have uh, have had that had that NCAA tournament experience. So the stage certainly won't be too big for them. Yeah, I'm calling the Dayton St. Bonaventure final right now. That's my that's my shot on that on this league. Okay. Yeah, I I would I would be cool with that and I could definitely see that happening. Yeah, in terms of the league that I'm interested in here, I'm gonna throw the Mountain West into play because in terms of quality, this is probably one of the deepest leagues in the country. Yeah. I think we we're talking about the WCC potentially challenging the ACC for bids. Like the Mountain West in theory could because like their, their top four teams should all be in, and they have teams mm -hmm. that are capable of going on the run to steal the bid, like Fresno State, for example. Mm -hmm. I think, like, I would not be shocked if the WCC has, if the Mountain West is a bid thief, but I think more likely they won't. Yeah, because uh, uh, Boise State, Colorado State, and San Diego State are probably safely in, I would say. So only really Wyoming is uh, on the bubble. And, like, like a first-round loss to, or a, uh, I guess yeah. it would be a semifinal loss to, uh, to, um, Wyoming for Boise State wouldn't kill them, so yeah, I, I could I could actually see this conference getting four four bids in for sure uh, going into uh, Selection Sunday. Yeah, the, the thing I worry about for Wyoming here is that UNLV game is very very tricky. UNLV has had some good wins this year. Yeah, they have. Yeah, and uh, that's that's essentially an elimination game for Wyoming. I mean, they they lose that one, they are definitely going to get picked off. Like we mentioned, someone like Indiana or something will will slide into their place uh, in in the sixty eight if. Uh, if Wyoming can't win. And, you know, they're, they're also kind of playing again, playing to get out of that first four, you know, if Wyoming can make a run here to the, to the title, uh, they will certainly get out, get out of that, that get out of that range. So that's the, uh, that's the big thing for them. Yeah. I think the other thing is scary about that game. If you're Wyoming is that this is in, this turn is in Las Vegas. So you have a little home court advantage there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure uh, how much their fans travel or anything like that. I, I, I can't say I know a whole lot about the UNLV fan base, but yeah, that that certainly impacts it, right? The, the travel and, and you know getting yourself situated. UNLV uh, certainly doesn't have to do that. Now that hasn't really benefited my team, St. John's, uh, over the past twenty years in the Big East, but maybe UNLV has a little bit of luck with it. Yeah, you, you could probably win. You could see them winning this game just based on the fact that they probably have more fans in the building. Yes. Uh. -huh, yeah. And, and and I'm not sure. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other one, obviously, for the local interest, are going to watch here. I mean, I think the MAC tournament. With, with Iona sitting there as the number one seed. I'm going to see if they have their bracket on Twitter, which would be helpful to me. But knowing the Mac, I wouldn't be shocked if they don't. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm trying to find it here in terms of what's going on. But they don't really have much up here. But I will try and find it here in terms of the bracket. But the situation here, if you're in the Mac, Iona obviously won the number one seed. They completed an undefeated season at home over the weekend. They are, they are number one. They are hosting. I think they're going to play the 8-9 winner on uh, Wednesday night. So I have the bracket finally up here. I had to go to their actual website. They didn't put it on social media. That's a fail out of the Mac. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. So here's the actual bracket here. Iona's side, they have the 8-9 winner, Manhattan and Ryder. They have Monmouth and Niagara. Niagara beat them on the road. All three of Iona's losses were on the road. One to Manhattan, one to Niagara. And one to Sienna, which is on the other side of the bracket here. Mm -hmm. I think the fact Iona lost last week, I think, helps them out a lot just because, like, this is a team I could see very easily. Just they go in on a big winning streak, you know, maybe the pressure gets to them. But they had that loss. Rick Patino, you could tell, was angry after that game. And, like, mm -hmm. they're going to be locked in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it, you know, having the two teams that have beaten or two of the teams that have beaten them on their side of the bracket, um, I, I would say that that's a little bit concerning, but I don't see them losing a second time to either one of those teams. Um, so I, I really wouldn't be too concerned if I'm Iona um, in terms of getting through this. And, and if they do get through it, I mean, what what type of seed are we looking at for Iona if, if they are able to win the MAC and uh, and get the auto bid? Uh, are we looking at a 12 maybe for Iona or no? I think they're a 12 or a 13, depending on how some of the other conferences fall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's that's huge for them. I mean, even being a 13, uh, you got you got a shot. 
but yeah, if you can get in that five twelve game, I, I mean, that's that's your chance right there. I'm making a run. You know, you get a five seed in the first round, and then a, a four a, a potentially in the second round. Uh, that's that's I mean, that's of course the goal for Iona is to uh, to get up to that twelve seed line. Yeah, for sure. And let's go ahead now. Let's look at before we wrap up here. Make a bold prediction here. So, on selecting something, what's the one thing that's going to be happening? And you're calling, and nobody else is doing yet. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to to figure out what would be what would be bold or what would just be stupid. Um, <laughs> I wanted to say that the Mountain West and the ACC would get the same amount of bids, um, but I'm not quite sure if that's possible because I, I just I don't know if anyone. I, I'm well, I, you know what? I will say that actually. I will say that I'm going to say that the Mountain West and the ACC get the same amount of bids. Uh, the Mountain West gets four. And uh, the ACC, like we mentioned, maybe Miami's uh, resume isn't as great. Maybe they they knock out early. Um, so I'll say at the Mountain West, we we've been talking all season long about the WCC. I'll say the Mountain West and the ACC uh, each have the same number of bids on Selection Sunday. The ACC could also have if Miami loses or if Wake Forest loses their lose that game before they even get yeah. to Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are the two that could probably fall off for for the ACC. And as we've seen, I mean, the ACC has been a very mediocre conference. We've talked about it a ton on this show. So, yeah, and, and like we just talked about, you know, if, if Wyoming is able to win a game or two here and there, um, the other three teams are pretty much locked in. So it really all comes down to Wyoming for the Mountain West to get them a fourth bid. Okay, my prediction is coming out of the American here. Houston's have a much lower seed than people think they will. Ooh, I was thinking about that one, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, explain why, but I, I, I agree with you. Because right now, most brackets project there's about a five seed. And I know Lenardi and several others have had that like basically on the cusp of the four line. I thought it was telling that the committee set did not put them in the initial 16 and they had three more, mm-hmm. they had three fewer losses at that point. There's before they lost mm-hmm. SNU and Memphis, I believe, the first time. Yeah. I think the fact that they do not have two of their best players, Traymond Mark and Marcus Sasser, both out for the season here. Mm-hmm. And they, they, you look at their, re- at their schedule here. Who the hell did they beat? Uh huh. Yeah, they, they, there's not that many quality, you know, in, in crazy impressive wins because that conference isn't isn't that good. You know, the uh, the American is not, you know, much of a of a. What are they going to get? Three teams in the tournament, probably two or three teams in the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they yeah. went they were, they went one and two against those teams, one and three against those teams, by the way. Yeah, exactly. There's not that many, and, and you know, there's not that many opportunities for big wins. They've been kind of under the radar all season long, um, and like you said, they weren't on that initial re- reveal, uh, and they really haven't done a whole lot you know, to improve, they've probably hurt their seeding since then. Yeah. I was actually thinking about saying that they were going to be a lower seed than, uh, than we would think. Because you look at, I think in their resume, I'm going to play the blind resume game up here real quick. Cause it just, this gave me an idea. So give me one second on that, but you look at who they played. The names look nice, but the overall, like they haven't really beaten many teams that are in the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me, let me see if I can get their, uh, if I can get their schedule up. I want to see who they, who they've actually beaten right now. I mean, they beat, um, they beat Oklahoma State. They beat Oregon. Yeah, like they beat SMU once. Yeah, lost to Alabama. Lost to Wisconsin. Um, and then yeah, like in conference play, I mean, what's where's the impressive win here? I mean, they beat SMU at home. I think that's the only win they really yeah. have. Yeah, yeah, they beat SMU. Yeah, yeah, and nothing else really. Yeah, like you said, there's nothing else really on there that's impressive. Lost to Memphis twice. Yeah, I mean. And that's, I mean, with Virginia, I guess is a good win for them as well uh, in, in the non-conference. But yeah, there's nothing really that all that impressive with the uh, with the Houston resume. So yeah, I could definitely see them being even a five seed. All right, I'm gonna pull one blind resume up here because I did find get some inspiration for one here. Okay, <laughs> team A is obviously Houston mm-hmm. based on the metrics. Like, what about like? Compared to the and then the net the net is five. The other team is thirty three. The Ken Palm is five. The net is the Ken Palm is thirty two for Team B. Yeah. The strength of schedule here ninety eight for Team A, fifty seven Team B. At a conference one hundred forty three for Team A, thirty four for Team B. They are twenty six and five for Houston, twenty three and eight mm-hmm. for Team B, sixteen and one at home, fifth versus fifty and two, seven and three versus eight and three, three one on neutral floors is zero and three. One and four versus two and seven in quad one, seven and one in quad two for Houston, three and over oh team B. Quad mm-hmm. three, they're both undefeated. Quad four, team B has a loss, but team Houston does not. So does that look that much different apart from the Ken Palm? No, no. I mean, yeah, they both essentially have the, you know, I mean, the, the metrics certainly favor Houston, but yeah, nothing really looks that crazy different. Yeah, I think you have an idea who team B is. So I'm going to go ahead mm-hmm. and throw it up here. That's North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, and exactly. I mean, I, I mean, technically UNC is the top twenty-five team now, so I guess that's not that crazy of a of a comparison. But yeah, the uh, yeah, the, the resume for Houston is, is not, it's not that impressive. And we're talking about North Carolina as like a ten seed. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, and, and and you know, Houston, we, we you know could could potentially be like a four. I, yeah, that that resume doesn't 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 scream top four seed to me. That's a, a five or even a six, to be es- honest. Especially when you factor in they don't have two of their best players the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. So that's something like, and I don't think they're going to win the American tournament. I think they're going to get to the final lose either Houston or SMU. So Houston, mm-hmm. Memphis or SMU. So Memphis, like, yeah, I'm, uh-huh. I'm saying this team is closer to the eight, nine game than they are with top four seed. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. If they, if they lose early, they're definitely headed for that. If they lose in the final, like if Memphis beats them a third time or SMU beats them a second time here, like you're they going to, you might not. You might have a scenario where they've beaten only one team. I'm one wing as a team in the field, despite the fact that they're mm-hmm. so high in the net in the Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, so that's our preview here. We'll be back next week. We will be talking, you know, selection Sunday. We'll be going through some of the decisions the committee made and looking ahead to the first. I'm excited for that. Definitely, yeah. The best time of year, right? Right. Best, best uh, two three weeks of the year coming up. Absolutely, and Troy. If you want to follow on social media, keep up the Seeing Red podcast. I'm going to do that. Yes, you guys can follow me on Twitter uh, at Troy Moriello. Last name is M-A-U-R-I-E-L-L-O. Yeah, I do the Seeing Red podcast. If you're a St. John's fan, if you're a Big East fan, definitely check it out. Do one episode a week on the the Red Storm or on the Big East uh, conference as a whole. So definitely check that out. Absolutely, Troy. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Of course, Mike. Always fun. The Two-Minute Drill. All right, we are back here, two-minute drill, talking about winning time on HBO, the rise of the Showtime Lakers. It's a 10-episode docudrama produced by Adam McKay, the same guy who did Don't Look Up, was Oscar-nominated film. It's a story basically based on the book by Jeff Perlman about the Showtime Lakers, dramatizing the rise of the Lakers from after Jerry Buss buys them into what they became as the one of the NBA super franchises of the 1980s. And... I watched the pilot episode on Sunday night. It was a lot of fun. And I got to say, they really knocked it out of the park. If you're a basketball fan and you know who these people are and you get all the laughs and stuff, it's a lot of fun because the way they portray this show is sort of like a, a mockumentary, I would say, where you'll regularly have characters breaking the fourth wall. They'll put up like ridiculous lower thirds explaining things about who Jerry Buss is who uh, his agent is, who Jerry West is, all sorts of crazy shenanigans. The language is definitely HBO worthy. I was laughing out loud multiple times, and this show is going to be so much fun. At 10 episodes, it's an all-star cast, probably the breakout character of the show's beginning here, of the of the Showtime Lakers situation, is I want to... Give the shout out to, I've got to find the guy's name. So bear with me one second as I check out the reca- episode recap somewhere. So in terms of who's playing Magic Johnson, a brand new actor of the scene, Quincy Isaiah, who he gives that charm that Magic Johnson has where you want, you want to love him immediately. And he just embraces the 80s vibe. The show sort of sets up a framing device where you see an older version of Magic basically learning that he has AIDS and HIV. And we're flashing back to his journey through the AIDS of the Lakers. We have another nine episodes of this show. It's a lot of fun. The people playing these characters are really committed. Jason Clark as Jerry West is hysterical because he is so mad that the Lakers want to take Magic Johnson. They already have a good point guard at that point in Norm Nixon. And Jerry West on the golf course flipping out at Dr. Buss when he's talking about drafting him. The dinner that he has, the politics Dr. Buss is playing with the current Laker owner in terms of trying to sell the team to him. All phenomenal stuff. I give this a very high rating. If you are a basketball fan, you will get a kick out of this. They do enough in terms of like focusing on the dynamics of the Lakers. You're going to see a lot of references to people from the 80s, like Larry Burr is supposed to be played in next week's episode. You have Pat Riley referenced in the show coming up. There's a lot of big name actors too, so I love this show already. I'm going to be locked in. Even with it conflicting with a lot of the basket, college basketball stuff, I will be locked in. So make sure you're checking this show out if you get a chance. I will highly, highly recommend it. With that, I want to end this week's show. I want to thank Troy Moriello for hopping on here. Spending about an hour getting us ready for championship week. 
probably one of the best weeks of the year for college basketball is not the tournament. So make sure you're locked in all these games as you listen to this podcast. You want to book stuff like the Just Had the Suffering podcast, including my look at what the New York Giants could be up to free agency. And spoiler alert, it's not going to be much because they don't have a lot of cap room. Check out the blog over at justinthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can also check out what's going on at the Sky Guys podcast this week. We are starting our Star Wars character bracket. The first rounds will begin. Our first eight matchups will be taking place. We'll get you through the, the I believe, the mid-rim region. Not the mid-rim region. It's the outer rim region and the unknown regions. Those are the two we are going to be doing this week. So we will go through those matchups. You can check that on the Sky Guys podcast. Subscribe to it there. Search for it on your favorite podcast platforms. Check that out. Also follow me on Twitter at mphilips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. That's going to do it for this week's show. Coming up next week, we're going to give you our full March Madness preview. We're going to do some selection Sunday reaction. Start looking at the brackets. Do some betting and more. Until we have a better week than the Duke fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.